Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. How do you make strong, powerful decisions and then stand by them? Hey there, everyone, and welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and this is episode 61. Now, Dr. Kayla and her husband, Anthony, before even beginning to try to conceive, felt they had been called to have a free birth or unassisted childbirth. Of course, this group is a tiny percent within the tiny percent of moms who give birth at home, within the tiny percent of moms who give birth out of hospital, so about as niche as you can get. Yet even though it was their first birth, they felt strongly about their decision and knew it was what they were meant to do. Listen in to hear how they approached both their wild pregnancy and wild birth. Hey, have you been looking for a super amazing, tangible way to help out the podcast? Don't worry, I have got it covered for you. Thanks to my awesome friend, Rachel, the dope doula, there is an amazing home birth t-shirt design just for you guys. If you want to go to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash merch, M-E-R-C-H, you will be relinked to my bonfire website, which has the new t-shirt that says give birth on your turf. And it's got the cutest, most whimsical little cottage on it. Thank you so much, Rachel, for your design. If you guys aren't following her on Instagram, you really need to go check out the dope doula. She's got so much cool stuff there. And please go look at those shirts. They're amazing. I am so excited. I'm probably going to be one of those like band members that wears their own shirt on stage. That's going to be me. I'm just going to be wearing my own shirts all the time because these are so cute. Also, if you love those home birth candles, don't forget to go to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash candles, and you can get all of the amazing soy candles, no harmful chemicals in those. All of that is really, really helpful for me to keep this show being produced. I love you guys so much for your help in that. Now, before we jump into the podcast interview, I do want to take a moment to thank our reviewer of the week, and that is Tuck T. Tuck. And I picked this review because it goes really well with our uh, interviewing of a chiropractor. So two thumbs up. I've really, really enjoyed this show. Thanks for all the work you put into it. As someone who's become recently engrossed in all things birth world, I love the variety of topics. Dad talks are one of my favorites. Thank you. I will be sure to pass that along to Thomas. It will make his day. Something I've been curious about for a while is your relationship to chiropractic care. Obviously, there are a lot of pregnant women who set up regular adjustments in positioning their baby, but I'd love to hear more about your perspective on chiropractics in general. For example, it sounds like your chiropractor is your main physician. Again, great work. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, Tuck T. Tuck. Be sure to email me at caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com and I will be sending you a happy home birth sticker. And awesome. I would love to talk more about chiropractic care. I will be sure to have a, a, a an episode dedicated to chiropractic care, specifically for prenatal care, but we'll definitely dive into my use of chiropractic care as well on that. I will set that up. On that note, if you are a birth professional with something you really want to discuss, please feel free to contact me and reach out if you would like to be interviewed for the podcast. 
I love sharing birth stories. Of course, I do like to mix it up and have other professionals come on and discuss things just like we did with Beautiful One Midwifery a few weeks ago. We've got a few more really, really cool episodes coming out with some midwives um, and also maybe Lily Nichols of Real Food for Pregnancy in a few weeks. Um, So yeah, just let me know if you'd be interested in being interviewed and we will set something up. Um, other than that, let's jump into the podcast episode. This is such a, such a cool one. And of course, please remember that the opinions of my guests might not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa. And although Dr. Kayla is a phenomenal chiropractor, neither one of us are acting as your care provider. So continue to see your doctor, midwife, or if you're like us, your chiropractor. Kayla, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I cannot wait. Oh, I am so excited too. You've got so much to bring to the listeners. Uh, you're a chiropractor and you had a free birth with your first baby. So you are practically a unicorn. Um, so <laughs> I can't wait to get into all of it. Would you mind introducing yourself to the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So my unicorn self, my name is Kayla. <laughs> <laughs> I am a chiropractor in the Spartanburg area. Um, I primarily see families, including pregnant women and children. And I'm also a small animal chiropractor, so I see small animals as well. Um, a little bit about me. I'm from Youngstown, Ohio, which is northeastern Ohio, about 45 minutes from Cleveland and also 45 minutes from Pittsburgh area. Me and my husband both grew up there, and we actually have known each other since we were three and four years old. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> yeah. We grew up together and um, kind of were destined to be together Um based off of my great aunt, who is how we share common relationship. Um, she actually, fun fact, before she passed away, she bought two life insurance policies, um, one for me and one for Anthony, because she knew we would be together and she paid them in full. And we actually Whoa. reconnected at her memorial service when she passed away. And we've been together pretty much ever since then. So. Okay, yeah, I definitely got cold chills. <laughs> yeah, pretty crazy. So yeah. Um, he's also wow. in school to be a chiropractor, so he will join me in my office at the end of next year. Oh gosh, that's amazing! And so the the second part of that, we talked about the chiropractic care, but you decided to have a free birth with your first baby. And to so many moms, I know it's like what? Like sometimes that's a step a mom might be willing to take. You know, several home births down the line, but. You, not only were you like, all right, I'm doing this at home, you took full control of your care. What, what, <laughs> how, what, what, tell me. <laughs> yeah, so um, it kind of started way before we ever even thought about actively trying to conceive. Um, we both knew we wanted children. I was in chiropractic school at the time, um, in the middle of chiropractic school, actually, when we just started talking about having children and I really wasn't sure I wanted children early on in life. Um, you know, like when I was in undergrad and even probably early into grad school, um, before me and Anthony got married, I was just kind of like, you know, I'll have children, but I'm not sure when. And like the joke of my family, like my sister said is like, uh, she's, we're eight years apart now. Um, she's eight years younger than I am. She would always say, I'm going to have a child before, you know, Kayla ever has a baby. And that was <laughs> kind of like the running joke because nobody thought I'd ever have a child early on. Um, and I woke up one day and I really just had this like deep maternal instinct to like get pregnant. Like I was fascinated with pregnant women. Um, I fell in love with chiro like chiropractic and taking care of pregnant women. 
and everything to do with pregnancy. And I brought it up to Anthony. And of course, he always wanted children. Even he was like, always ready to have children. Um, he just loved <laughs> <Whenever>. them. <laughs> yeah, when I, he's like, yeah, okay, we'll talk about it. And so I said, I didn't want to have a baby until like after chiropractic school. And um, we have a great um, connectedness to each of ourselves. And we both meditate and we both um, spend time in our, in our deeper thoughts and connectedness. And we actually, or I actually was contacted by our spirit baby um, probably a year before we actually conceived our spirit baby. Um, And so that was probably around like probably within a week or so of that, like, just like, I don't know, instantaneous, like burst of like, I need to have a baby feeling. And so we sat with that and we talked about it. And I mean, we could go on and on about our spirit baby story. My gosh, like that's pretty much what led us to free birth and to wild pregnancy. And so that was how I was communicated um, from my spirit baby. Um, Basically they told me that's what I was going to do um, and led me to that decision and I stumbled upon free birth. I mean, in my mind, I knew I was going to have a home birth. I knew it was going to be with a midwife. You know, this was a year before we can see, like, that's just how I wanted to do it. I already was on the home birth train. I already knew the benefits, um, you know, of limited intervention, healthy diet, exercise, and taking care of your body. And most importantly, the natural processes and physiology that the body does to have a baby and how powerful and how strong everything is in our bodies and how intelligent it is to have a baby. So I was, I was sitting, actually, I was sitting in x-ray review class in chiropractic school and, um, don't tell Dr. Orendorf, but I was on my iPad. <laughs> I will not. <laughs> yeah. And I was stumbling upon, um, uh, I was actually reading Ina Mae Gaskin's book Guide to Natural Childbirth in that class. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was like, you know, I wonder if women do this without anybody like it just hit me like a lightning bolt and so Mm -hmm. I started researching and I was searching on Facebook because you know Facebook's the go-to for all the Facebook groups Obviously, uh, yeah right and I was like well first I googled it and it was like I said like I called it an unassisted birth you know because it was without assistance it was by yourself and of course you got like a lot of links that were like not for unassisted birth and then there was a link to this place called the free birth society and so uh, when they had a Facebook group. So I clicked on it and I joined and I came home that day and I was like, you know, I was like to my husband, I was like, you know, what would your thoughts be if like we had a baby at home without anybody, you know, cause my husband was absolutely on board with the home birth. And, you know, we had talked about when we had children, we wanted to have a baby at home and he was like, people do that. And I was like, <laughs> I guess so. I mean, I found Apparently. it on the internet. It must be true. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was like, well, yeah. He was like, Cause tell me more about it, you know? So I started researching, I joined the group, I was reading birth stories and it just felt so right. And then, you know, I was like, well, I don't really, as me as a person, I don't feel comfortable like with other people telling me how my body's supposed to be running and how my body is not intelligent. I've been told how intelligent it is. So I felt like another care provider telling me things I needed to do, like, contrary to how I actually felt was so contraindicated for me as a person. So I started looking into unassisted pregnancy (laughs) and I found that, you know, it had a a formal slash informal name, whatever you want to call it of, you know, wild or autonomous pregnancy. And most of the time it coincided with a wild or autonomous rebirth. And I was set and I, you know, we continued connecting to our spirit baby and, um, 
we were, you know, it was actually our spirit baby that we connected with prior to conception was a, a little girl. Um, she had given us a name. We were so certain we were having a little girl. Um, of course, we didn't find out the gender because I didn't have any ultrasounds or any prenatal care. Um, so we thought it was a girl the entire time because this little girl we'd communicated with for over a year and then completely throughout pregnancy uh, had given us a name, had, you know, given us um, like visualizations to my husband of like how she wanted to be born, had given me, like come to me in my dreams and told me um, little snips of information and kind of motivational blurbs so that I could feel grounded and connected. And I used all of that throughout mm-hmm. my pregnancy and especially during my free birth. And then spoiler alert, spoiler alert, um, we had a little boy <laughs> 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 and we, it really, really shook me. Um, mm. But then I realized that that little girl, that spirit baby actually still is with me and with us and has really led me to a lot of things in my life. And I wasn't until towards probably the week before I had little Anthony um, that I had a dream that I realized that I had known that spirit baby since I was a little girl and I had dreams of her ever since I was a little girl. And it was always a little girl that was always in my dreams. Um, And so whether it actually be another spirit baby that will come to us in the future or an angel type spirit baby that, you know, led little Anthony to us or, you know, just a guardian angel. Um, she's still around. Um, she came back around probably within a week of having little Anthony. Um, Cause I was like wondering, you know, is this Anthony like her? Is it, you know, is this, I'm like so confused. I felt so connected and I knew his energy wasn't what her energy was. But now it's really come full circle about five months postpartum is that she's either like waiting to be conceived and brought to earth or she is just supporting us and loving us and guiding us and directing us to what our higher selves and to do what we feel we need to do. But that's how I pretty much got to wild pregnancy and free birth. And so before we started conceiving, we had already known what we were going to do. And I think, you know, pitching as a chiropractor that takes care of pregnant women, it's so important to be comfortable and grounded in your choices before you just go on a whim and make them haphazardly without having any back information. So like I told you before we started this cause, I support women through all of their births, no matter what their birth plan looks like. And so many of them are, so grounded in their choices that it's so gratifying to watch a powerful woman know exactly what she wants versus right. a woman that doesn't know what she wants. And just from the people that I've taken care of, you know, when you manifest that your outcomes truly come into fruition, like what you think of and what you dream of is what happens. And that is probably the biggest lesson that I've learned throughout my wild pregnancy and free birth, because I focused my entire pregnancy on interconnectedness and feeling my inner feelings and working through them and doing the really hard work, working through the emotions, through the fear, through the uncertainty, through the questions, through the outside people trying to get me to change my mind and Mm. setting boundaries. And so, I mean, yeah, I had to do a lot of work. It was very, you know, very emotionally taxing then it was physically taxing because I had to be strong in my choices so that 
you know, if something did go wrong or if I decided to do some type of outside prenatal care that I was certain of my decision. And it wasn't just because somebody else made that decision for me. It was because I knew intuitively and internally that I needed that choice. So I spent a lot of time alone, honestly, like I stayed away from a lot of people. It was just me and my husband um, and our dogs. And we spent a lot of time in nature. I, I mean, I think I slept like probably four months out of the nine and a half months I was pregnant (laughs) And because I slept all the time. Yeah. And I just respected what my body needed. And so when I went into labor, I really had zero fear. And when I tell people that after never having a child and going into this with such a different approach to birth and to pregnancy, I did all the work on the hind end of things. Yes. So that when I went into labor and I started birth, I literally had zero fear and it was just surrender it was I let go and surrendered and that is from all of the work that I did for nine and a half months prior yes I I love that you bring that up and that's such an important aspect of it is that the ability to trust and have faith during labor it all starts prenatally and it all starts with you know with the preparation and even though your your means of preparation was different from most people's, it was very intense preparation. Yes, it definitely was. And I, I mean, we took, um, we did the hypno babies birthing class and that was almost triggering for me to be honest, because I was so, I wasn't against, um, I wasn't against, prenatal care I just knew it wasn't right for me because I felt great and I felt connected to my body but going to those classes at the birth center was actually kind of triggering for me it made me do so much more work because I knew I didn't want to have a baby in a birth center and I knew I didn't want to have a baby in a hospital so we loved the classes I mean we it was really hard for me that was probably like I mean the hardest the most challenging thing was to face being in a facility where people give birth in a sense um, because it wasn't right for me. Um, and I mean, there was much other couples with us that were planning birth center birth and hospital birth. And I loved being around them because it made me do more work. It made me really recenter myself and get myself to a point where I have to have no fear. I have to process what comes to me and not bury it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's really neat how that affected you what did I mean I assume that the couples in your class did they know that you guys were planning a free birth yeah they did so when we introduced ourselves um there was another home birth couple and then all the other four couples were planning hospital birth Mm -hmm. and I don't even think any of them knew what free birth was because nobody like shuddered or did anything now Julie had (laughs) known um that we were having a free birth and she knew what that was, but mm-hmm. um, nobody, I don't think like either they weren't paying attention or they were just like, oh, I don't know what that is. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> Maybe they went was. home and Googled it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we're like, oh my God, she is crazy. But <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Watch out for yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. Okay. Now, and actually, even more on that subject, what about your close friends and family? What was their response? So my mom, um, 
was very fearful at first. My mom had two very traumatic cesarean sections with me and my sister. Mm-hmm. And so coming from her point of view, I give, gave her much respect and much um, space because she had very traumatic experiences and a lot of emotional ties to that. So I couldn't imagine my, me myself enduring that and then trusting, you know, my right. daughter to do some, something like that. But my mother's amazing. And she, you know, she had a very different, two different pregnancies than I did. My pregnancy was very ease filled. I, you know, I didn't get sick at all. I was very active. I was very um, intuitive with my body. And so once, I think once she saw that my pregnancy was totally different than her two pregnancies, she was a little bit on board, but of course she was apprehensive. I'm her daughter. And, you know, Mm -hmm. she wanted me to be healthy and her to have a healthy grandbaby and everything to be, um, you know, the best outcome possible. But there is that little bit of like mother wound that she had because of her traumatic experiences. And she had to probably work through a lot of emotion, but I give her all the credit. She is one powerful woman because she was all in. She was my, besides my husband, she was my biggest support. And I don't think I would have been able to, yeah. I mean, it's, and I, I think about that all the time. It's just like, how could a woman who had two traumatic births, like, and not only was she just supporting like a stranger, she was supporting her own daughter through something that was like, you know, totally off the wall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she, of course, as any mother would, would always say like random things. Well, what if this, what if this? And like, I already mm-hmm. talked through it. I already figured it out. And, you know, by the end of my pregnancy, she was just like, you're going to do it. And like, I know you're going to do it because you've been a hundred percent like claiming it this entire time. And so she was very supportive. Um, I don't think my dad like said anything. I don't, I don't know. My dad is a man of few words and, um, he was just very, so supportive afterwards. I mean, they, my parents never said anything. Um, some other family members were very uncertain, (laughs) but respectfully I created the boundaries necessary that were important to protecting myself and our family and our plans. And so those boundaries did not get overstepped. And so we were able to enclose ourselves in that like bubble and not have anybody's other words or thoughts or worries or anything like that come into our bubble and burst it open. So we're Mm -hmm. very grateful that we created boundaries that we knew to do such a thing. Um, because if we wouldn't have, it probably would have been destructive to my yes. own, my own emotions and probably my birth outcome. Sure. I, I completely agree. I, I love that it, it seems like your prenatal care, it wasn't just like, okay, now I'm going to learn what, you know, what, how to do this, what needs to be done. It's also like, now I'm going to protect myself and now I'm going to set up these boundaries and this is the way that it's going to be. And I'm going to make sure that people understand that, which it's also kind of cool because I feel like a lot of people in your situation might just not say anything about it. And the fact that you were willing to be open and candid, but also say firmly like, okay, but this is the line. That's, that's a really cool way to do it because you didn't like other people were able to learn from your experience and see like, oh, wow, look, she was planning this. She was preparing. And then, wow, it did turn out really beautifully. Yeah. And I think we were very open about it because 
especially, I mean, I was, I got pregnant towards the end of chiropractic school. So when I graduated chiropractic school, I was like 15 weeks pregnant about. Um, and so we had just told everybody that I was expecting and everybody, of course, um, at chiropractic school, was like, oh, you're having a home birth, right? You're having a home birth. And we're like, well, <laughs> actually, actually, we're doing it a well, little bit bigger than home birth. <laughs> yeah, let me take it a step further for you. <laughs> and so we got a lot of backlash, of course, because that's something that's not even as, you know, common, might I say, as home birth in the, in the world of chiropractic. Um, and so, yeah, we were very open about it because I think I wanted to be certain of myself. And I think by talking to people and I mean, I didn't like blast it on the news and post it on Facebook, <laughs> but when people asked what we were doing or they heard about it and would come to me and ironically, when I was in chiropractic school, there was like eight other, you know, call, uh, peers of mine in chiropractic school that were also pregnant that were all planning like home births or, or birth center birth, whatever they may. And so they were very question questionable about what I was doing and not from a sense of judgment, but from like, mm -hmm. what led you to this? Because I would never do that. And I'm pregnant, you know, and, right. and so we would sit down and have conversations and it was so fruitful because they didn't know it was an option. And I wanted to hear why they chose what they chose. So it was such a good conversation and support between two pregnant women that could empower one another and still have really good birth outcomes without judging each other. So right. It was such a beautiful experience because I got to learn about other people's birth in a sense that would help me support other women that choose not to birth how I would, how I would personally birth. Um, so that has helped me in practice and guiding people to promote their innate intelligence primarily, regardless of if they get chiropractic or not chiropractic care, uh, prenatal care or not. Because I think even if you get prenatal care, you're only going for someone to take your blood pressure, to weigh you to take vitals and to, you know, measure your belly and those types of type, you know, objective type things. They're not checking into your mental state. They're not tuning into your internals. What are you feeling? What are you connected to? Like, what are you striving for? What are your goals? What are your like hopes and dreams? What are you manifesting? And so that aspect for the other individuals that were pregnant brought a lot more truth to what their choices were because they were like, wow, I didn't think I should be probably checking into myself. I didn't mm. think I should probably sit and be quiet and like connect with my baby. I didn't know that could happen. I just thought connectedness to baby was like through an ultrasound or through a blood yeah. test, and, you know? So it, it made pregnancy a bigger picture. And that was so beautiful to me that I got to share my story and they got to share theirs and we both grew from it. Right. Yeah. Oh gosh. I love that, that, that you were able to kind of inspire them to dig deeper, even if their birthing choices were slightly different than yours of like, Hey, but you know, you can connect just like this, whether you're going to have a midwife or whether you're going to, you know, be in the hospital, like you, this connection aspect is, is vital. Yeah, absolutely. And even like the most high risk of situation, you know, elective cesarean, like you have so much power within you as a woman and maternal intuition and instinct to connect to this baby in utero that even in those situations that are extremely scary and tense and the outcomes are unknown, you could have such a beautiful pregnancy and not be fear-based based, based mm -hmm. off of numbers or outcomes. And that is my mission is to get pregnant women all across the board in my practice to connect with themselves and listen to their bodies because there's 
such great wisdom in our bodies that wants to tell us things that sometimes even counteracts what the test and what the outside information says. And that can be powerful when you're in a crossroads of making a decision or figuring out what to do next or having to deal with fear or having to deal with emotion. So that was the greatest lesson that my pregnancy taught me is how to clinically approach women to connect with themselves versus connecting. Yeah. Just versus connecting to a test or a provider. Wow. Um, Oh gosh, that's so good. So with all of this being said, as you began to approach labor, what was that like? Well, I went into labor at 39 weeks and I think it was like four or five days. And my entire pregnancy, I was convinced that I was going to be like the 43-weeker. And, you know, since I was doing it on assisted birth, I didn't have any restrictions on when I'd have to go into labor because induction wasn't an op- an option in my mind. I trusted that my body and my baby would be able to go into spontaneous labor whenever the perfect time was. And I was 100% open and I was preparing myself for it to be like 45 weeks. Not being a lie. I'm like, I'm going to be pregnant for 45 weeks, you know, because I didn't have any, you know, estimated date and test. Like I thought, I'm pretty sure I knew when we conceived to the day, but mm-hmm. you know, you never know. My mom went to over 40 some weeks, you know, I was like, yeah, first time baby. I know on average they're about 41 to 41 and a half weeks. I'm just going to go to like 45 weeks and just blow it out of the water, you know? I'll just assume that. (laughs) If it's anything less, I'll be happy. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And I, it was, my belly was always low. Thanks to chiropractic care. My baby was sitting like very ease filled in my pelvic bowl. So I didn't even notice when my baby dropped and it's probably, now that I look back at pictures, it was probably like three weeks before I went into labor that my belly like really dropped. And mm-hmm. I didn't have any discomfort like differentiating like how low it was and then how low it got <laughs> before I had right. him. Because I didn't even realize it because I was still moving and still being, being active and just really tuning into myself. And so I wasn't looking at those things. So when I went into labor at 39 weeks, I was like, what? Like, like, wow, this is, this can't be labor. Like, this is way too early. Like, I was prepared for a whole nother month in the heat of summer to be pregnant. <laughs> and, and, you know, even my, like, my guest date was June 3rd, and I had him on May 31st. So mm-hmm. I was not prepared, like, in terms physically. Like, I was in shock that I went into labor. Not, un- like, I wasn't unprepared as in, you know, like I didn't want it to happen. I was ready and open. Like, I think when I hit 36 and a half weeks, I was like, okay, I'm good. I will free birth this baby at home as long as I'm 37 weeks. And then I will make decisions from then on. So I was a hundred percent prepared, but I just was shocked that I went into labor at 39 and a half weeks. And (laughs) I I actually woke, yeah, right. I woke up. Um, it was, well, Thursday, Wednesday night. Um, so my husband was also, he's in chiropractic school currently. So he was in chiropractic school and it was the week before final for him before they have a, they had a three week summer break and he was getting ready for finals the week before and studying. And it was Wednesday night and I went to the bathroom and I noticed some of my music plug um, had come out. And now I had lost a little bit, you know, here and there in pregnancy because it regenerates and all that stuff. And so I was like, well, maybe, you know, whatever. And I've read 
and was told by the free birth moms, like, even if you lose your mucus plug towards the end of the third trimester, sometimes it regrows back and you go all the way to past 40 weeks. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not an, a, a true indicator of labor. So I came out of the bathroom and I was like, hey, I think this baby's going to be here for the next like week or two. He's like, no. He's like, you've been convinced this entire pregnancy you're going to like 43 weeks. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Maybe I'm you know, just losing it, ready to have this baby. And so um, I was seeing patients at the time. I was doing house calls before I opened my office. Um, and I had a couple people on the books for Thursday and Friday. And so on Thursday morning when I woke up, I had more mucus plug and it was like a little bit of pink. And oh, Anthony, my the husband, pink tinge mucus. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, what is this? And I was like, well, maybe. So I didn't say anything. I saw my patients that day. My husband came home from school, was still studying. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm really thinking we're going to have this baby. He's like, I don't think so. And I'm like, okay, like, I'm like losing my mucus plug. It's a lot more. It's a little bit pink. He's like, yeah, but, and, you know, we we did our research. And he's like, but, you know, it's not like bloody. It's just pink, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whatever. So then Thursday night, um, my patients, I would always um, check in with them when I, before I was heading out the next morning for like, reminders for appointments. And I went to the bathroom and it was red. And I came out of the bathroom <laughs> like, Anthony, we're having this baby within the next three days. <laughs> he was like, I'm I you. have finals. Yeah, he's like, I have finals next week. I'm like, baby doesn't care. You know, like baby is <laughs> It would seem. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, yeah, I was like feeling like maybe I, I, I like tuned into myself and I'm like, I don't feel any different. So I like, we, me and my husband had decided if anything happens, um, like when early labor comes, we won't, we are not telling a soul because we didn't mm-hmm. want anybody intruding our business and like asking for updates. Cause you know, we didn't know how long I was going to be in labor. We didn't know it could have been a day. It could have been whatever. So we said, no, we're not telling anybody. We're closing down. We're shutting off our phones. And when it's over, we will call people and FaceTime them with the baby. You know, mm-hmm. such such great, um, you know, manners to, to our family. But <laughs> right. whatever. See ya. We did what we did. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I came out of the bathroom. I was like, I think I'm going to have this baby. And he was like, okay. I was like, and don't you dare tell a soul. <laughs> don't you tell You know, we're not telling anybody. He's like, I know. I know. So Thursday or Thursday night, I canceled all of my patients for Friday. And I was like, I texted them all. I was like, I'm just having some cramping. I don't feel comfortable traveling in case I do go into labor, but I don't think I am, but I, I you know, I'll reschedule with you next week. And they were all like, absolutely. We understand, you know, I've been taking care of them throughout my whole pregnancy. And they were like, you know, I hope you're having the baby. I hope we don't see you for a while, you know? And I'm mm-hmm. like, dang it. They, I don't want them to know I'm having this baby. Right. How do I tell them <laughs> I can't see them without telling them I'm in labor? It's so frustrating. Um, yeah. Right. And so I, we went to bed, we had dinner and we talked about it and he was like, Wendy, my husband was like, when do you think the baby's going to come? And I was like, well, I don't feel any different. Like it's pretty crazy. I thought I'd feel something at this point. You know, I've lost a lot of like bloody mucus plug. I'm like, I, I feel the same. And he was like, okay. And he's like, well, why don't we just go to bed and whatever? Well, I woke up at 1230 and I had heard all of the things about pregnancy. Like, by the time you have the baby, you'll be peeing your pants, you know, like you won't be able to hold your pee anymore. Or you'll just think, you know, your water broke, but you accidentally peed. And so I was so proud that I never peed my pants during pregnancy ever. <laughs> and I was like, gold star. So proud. Yeah. I was like, yes, super pregnant woman didn't pee. 
But I woke up and I was, as usual, 30 times in the night to go to the bathroom. And I was walking to the bathroom and all of a sudden, I just felt water running down my leg. And I was like, oh no, I peed myself. So (laughs) close. Yeah, I was like, I was almost there. It must be true. And then I sat down on the toilet and I was half asleep, of course, because when you're that pregnant and you get up that many times to pee, you're just like hoping you stay asleep between the bathroom and the bed. <laughs> and so I sat down on the toilet and it just more like fluid came rushing out and like my eyes opened like on a cartoon. I was like, oh, my water's released. I didn't see myself. <laughs> and I was back to being Love it. so happy. So I pulled out my phone and I took a picture of myself in the mirror and I was like, holy cow, that belly is super low. Like, has it been on this whole time? And so I woke my husband up and I said, Anthony, and he was like, we're both very heavy sleepers. I said, Anthony, um, my water's released. And he said, oh, okay. And he rolled over and went back to sleep. And I was like, <laughs> I said, I said, it's, I said, I don't have any, I don't have any sensations. There's no, no waves, nothing like no contractions. I said, um, so go back to sleep. I'm going to get some sleep too. I don't know when, you know, things are going to start happening. He was like, oh, okay. And like went right back to sleep. <laughs> so uh, I went back to sleep. He fell asleep. I woke up again at like 3.30. And I remember rolling over and I just had like this weird ache in my back. Like I had slept wrong. And I, I had totally forgot that I had, you know, released my waters three hours mm-hmm. prior and so I'm like sitting there and I'm like, oh, my back, like it is like, like there's a knot in my back. Like this is strange. <laughs> like, this is so weird. I've never experienced this before. And I started Googling on my phone at 3.30 in the morning. And I'm like, I'm like, well, wait a second. Oh my God. Like maybe I'm in labor. And so I Googled what, uh, what does a contraction feel like? Yep. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> So Google told me that a contraction felt like a sensation that starts in the upper mid back, travels around your belly, up to the tip of your belly button, and then compresses. And I was like, nope, not in labor. That's not it. I just have a muscle soreness in my back. <laughs> so I just laid there. And I laid there and probably for like another hour. And then things started getting a little intense. And I just started moving. And I was like, well, maybe I am in labor. And I was like thinking, I'm like, oh, we talked about this in the birthing class. Maybe this is back labor. And I'm like, no, my baby is not posterior. I know that for sure. I'm a chiropractor. I know my baby's not posterior. Mm-hmm. Like I can feel, and I'm like, I felt my belly and I'm like, God, it's not back labor. I'm like, well, maybe it's different. Maybe labor is different for every woman. And I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> duh, duh, yeah, duh. Like this doesn't have all the answers. So it started getting more intense and I was like, well, Julie told me, Julie Byers told me not to time my contractions. That was like my first thought. And I'm like, she said not to time it because then you're just going to anticipate and it's not going to happen. And I'm like, okay, so don't like, you know, in my head, I'm like, Julie said, don't time it. Julie said, don't time it. I'm like, okay, I'll sing a song and see if it happens at the same time on every first song. <laughs> it's not technically timing it. <laughs> right? And so I started singing a song. I can't even remember what song I was singing. And I was like, oh, those are, those are really close. I'm not losing my mind. And so I pulled out my uh, stopwatch on my phone, and my contractions were four minutes apart. <laughs> oh, wow. And I rolled over and I woke up my husband and I said, um, Anthony, and he looked at me like there was something wrong. And I was like, um, I, I'm having the baby. He was like, what? 
And he was like, what? And I was like, I, I think I'm in labor. I was like, my contractions are four minutes apart. And he shot out of the bed and he was like, I didn't know you were in labor. And I'm like, you don't remember me waking you up like four hours ago and telling you my water's released? And he was like, I thought that was a dream. <laughs> so he jumped out of bed and started cleaning the entire house at 4.30 of in the morning. Like, yes. I was like, what? Like everything was clean. It was spotless. It was like the cleanest house we've ever lived in. <laughs> And so as he's doing that, I started moving and listening to my body. And I, I didn't even feel like, like contraction is such the wrong word for what I was feeling. Like I literally just did feel waves, like waves of like sensation in my back. Like it's if you were like rubbing something hot on it. And so I just moved with it. I just kept moving and I walked around the house and we actually hired a birth photographer for our birth. And cause I wanted, um, it to be captured so I could have those memories. And I said to Anthony, like, when do you think we should call Ashley? I was like, you know, I remember Julie saying like around this time is when you're supposed to call or go to the hospital, like, you know, because labor could start to really pick up at this time. And he's like, well, we'll call her whenever you feel ready. So I texted her because I didn't, I didn't want to like call her if it was super early. I still wanted to wait. Like, well, maybe if she's up, she'll see that like labor has started and you know, she'll be getting a call soon. So she's actually, ironically, up with one of her kids that went to the that he was using the restroom. And she texted me back. She was like, "This is so crazy that we're awake at the same time." She was like, "I'll stay up, you know. Just let me know when you want me to come." Well, within twenty minutes, I just like got this like like thought. I'm like, I need to, I need to call her. She needs mm-hmm. to come. And by the time she got there, it was probably like a half hour later. She got to my house, and within probably thirty minutes, I had hit transition. Mm. and so I was so glad I called her um and she came in and I was totally I mean I was in active labor I was moving swaying uh my husband had been doing the fabulous hip squeeze for about like an hour and a half already and uh I was drinking so much water I think I was swimming like I just wanted all the water I just kept drinking so much water we, we filled up like a 32 ounce mason jar and I was just downing them and I was eating strawberries because it was strawberry season. Um, and I probably ate probably 20 strawberries until <laughs> they came back up when I hit uh-huh. transition. <laughs> <laughs> so I got strawberries again. Um, but yeah, I just, I remember laboring on the toilet, walking back and forth. Like I would sit down, like sitting for me or stopping motion was so uncomfortable. I probably walked like hundreds of miles during this time because I couldn't sit still I would try to sit still and I would try to like use the birth ball or you know like get into a different position but it was so uncomfortable so I just kept moving and my husband followed me around and hip squeezed during the sensations and during the breaks I kept moving uh my birth playlist oh gosh I I think I could like listen to that that playlist my entire rest of my life and it'll just be so miraculous But I had lots of like beautiful chorus and Bethel music and elevation worship. It was such, it was such like a beautiful rendition because I always used to sing those songs to my baby in the womb. And so it really brought me like to that connectedness. And I think once Ashley got there, yeah, it had have only been like a half hour, 45 minutes, maybe max an hour and I remember looking at Ashley as she was taking pictures and I said, am I doing this right? <laughs> and she was 
like, you're doing it, mama. Like you are doing it. And I was like, okay, good. You know, like, cool. does, this, does this look okay? Like, <laughs> I love it. Like, I was so like, I didn't know what, you know, as a first time mom going through birth, I didn't know what labor was, you know? Right. And it didn't seem so awful. Like everybody makes it out to be, I mean, yeah, it was hard. Yeah. It was annoying. Yeah. It was a lot of work, but it wasn't like unbearable. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. wanting to like jump off a bridge, you know? Mm-hmm. So she, you know, her and Anthony were like, they were just so entrained into my connectedness and, you know, the aura that was surrounding me. And, you know, I think we all moved in the same direction and we all did the same things. And oh, my, my husband is like the unicorn of birth attendance. I told him mm-hmm. I would hire him out because he was so amazing and so instrumental. And like, he knew what I needed before I even needed it. And I never had to ask. I never had to speak. I never had to say a thing because he was already, he was already there with it. And even like he would step away because we have dogs. So he had to put the dogs outside or, you know, they would start barking and he'd calm them down and he would step away. And I wouldn't even have to like put my hand out to like reach for him. He would like be right there doing all the things. So it was such a beautiful experience, like undisturbed because I I remember before I hit transition, I needed everybody away from me. Like I was really hitting that first like mountain that I just needed to regather myself because I was getting frustrated and I wanted like, I was in my head. I didn't tap out. I was like, I didn't fully surrender and didn't fully let go yet. Cause that was just like, I was calculating. I'm very analytical. So I was like analyzing everything, you know, what's this and she's here and you know, I need to have this baby and I'm doing it. This is amazing. I can't believe this is what it is. I can't believe I get to experience this. And so I remember running into the bathroom and closing the bathroom door, turning all the lights off. And just like, I really, I crawled up into a ball in the corner by the, by the shower. And I just like prayed. I was just like, I like, God, you got this. Like I, I have no control over my body. You know, my body is yours. This baby knows exactly how to be born, how to come like, please facilitate what needs to happen so that I could progress because I'm getting frustrated. I'm too in my head. Like I was just yelling. Mm-hmm. I remember my husband knocked on the door and he was like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm fine. You know, I'm just talking to God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, Jesus is here with me, you know, like leave us alone. And <laughs> so I came out of the bathroom and he was like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm ready to have this baby. And he was like, I know, I know. I'm like, no, I am ready. Like I was yelling and, he was like, okay. He was like, I guess you're having this baby. <laughs> and so I came out of there. And as soon as I came out of the bathroom, I felt the surge of adrenaline. I mean, oh boy. I told my husband, I liken it to probably, I've never done drugs no, ever in my life, but I, I could only imagine that's what it feels like when you like start cooking or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it was wild. Oh my gosh. And like my husband, like how he portrayed it to me afterwards, he was like, you looked like you were dead. And then like someone just like shot you alive. And I was like, wow. really? Cause that's what it felt like. Like that's literally what, and as soon as I, it was warm, it was like tingly. It like, like literally ran through my veins and I stood up like straight and I was like, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> and he, he was like, then throw up. <laughs> I was like, okay. Cool. Yeah. So I think I threw up like eight or 10 times. Mm. Um, that happened in my first with my first labor, Ugh, not the most yeah. fun, but it's no, all right. And, yeah. And I, if there's anything I hate in life, it's throwing up. And I was so mm. grateful that I didn't throw up once during pregnancy. So I was like, I'm willing to do it now. You know, like I'm ready. Right. So I threw up a lot. 
Um, and I started having really, really long, really intense sensations um, that would have very long breaks and I could feel the baby dropping into the birth canal. And I stood the whole time and probably for 40 minutes, it went on like that. And I, I knew intuitively, I said to myself, there's something is not right. Something like I'm missing something like I, there's another, there's more work to be done. There's something because I'm getting aggravated again. I need to like, and I, I've been surrendering. And so I, this time I pulled my husband into the bathroom with me. I closed off all the lights. I shut the door. I sat on the toilet this time. And I think I just like probably dug all of my 10 fingernails into him and cried and screamed. Mm-hmm. And he cried and we prayed together and then we laughed and it was really awkward. And then it was just like all of the emotions that you could ever imagine into one. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm crying and screaming. He's like, you're fine. You know, like, mm-hmm. so we opened the door back up and I just like, like an, a light bulb went off and I was like, oh my gosh, like I need to call Emily. So Emily was our postpartum doula and a very good friend of mine that we hired to come take care of me and the house postpartum. Um, and she's an amazing birth keeper and of all things birth. And so I called, I FaceTimed her in the middle of labor. Oh my word. <laughs> I wish there was a screenshot of that. No, there, there's birth photography photos and it's hilarious. Oh, oh that's so and cute. She was actually in Pennsylvania filling in for a birth keeper. And she was like, she wasn't at a birth. She was in between birth and mm. the house she was staying at there was other people there. And so in between FaceTiming her, I was still having sensations and screaming and releasing energy. And so <laughs> she told me after that they were all laughing in the background as they heard me. They were like, only Emily would get a call from somebody in labor. It's um, <laughs> but I said to her, I explained, I said, I'm missing something. And she herself has had undisturbed birth. Um, and so she said, I, I had reached my hand um, to feel if I could feel the head prior to calling her and I felt a like almost like a tube like a like a like a, like a little like it feels like a collagen type like how your ear has like college or um cartilage sorry like mm-hmm. cartilage like cartilaginous and I'm like I feel something like that and she was like oh my gosh she was like you probably have a cervical lift and I'm like oh yeah I remember learning about that in Julie's class and so, and I remember reading about it and all the books I've read and I'm like, oh yeah. And most of the time, first time mothers have a cervical lift. And I said, well, what do I do? And she was like, what? She was like, grab, lean back and have Anthony grab the bottom of your belly and pull it towards your chin. And I was like, yeah, that's mm. not going to happen because that is going <laughs> that's to be hard now. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, nope, that's not going to happen because I can't even stand to extend my back, let alone someone pull up on my belly. She's like, you'll be fine. And she's like, it just needs to happen once. And so we left her on FaceTime. And I arched back and Anthony grabbed my belly and pulled it to my chin. And oh my God, that was the most painful part of labor. And as soon as he put my belly back down, the baby completely engaged. And lucky me, I went into transition one more time and threw up 15 more times. Oh my word. And not only that, I got a second surge of adrenaline. Um, So I was wired. And after that happened... I knew that was when the baby was coming. And I I said, to, I remember saying to Ashley, should I push now? And she was like, 
you should push when your body feels right to tell you, which, you know, you should push. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but I don't want to push. And she's like, then don't push. <laughs> All like, right. Okay. <laughs> and so I had known about the fetal ejection reflex and I had read about it and other free birth moms in the free birth society that I was, you know, that were supporting me in, in the community. I, they had told me, you know, like you don't have to push. And I had known physiologically from, you know, anatomy and physiology that the body has its own innate wisdom to eject the baby out you don't have to push and so I was so adamant about not pushing but in that mind I was just like in my conscious mind I was like this baby needs to come this baby needs to come so I looked at Anthony I was like I'm pushing and he was like okay so I pushed and then I started laughing and he was like what I'm like yeah I should have done that like Uh. that was not the right thing to do and I was like I don't need to push and so as soon as I said I don't need to push I felt the fetal ejection reflex kicked in and I dropped <laughs> into a squat and um, that's what Anthony said the baby's head is emerging and so I there was probably three um, contractions from the fetal ejection, ejection reflex until he fully um, it came out and was born and I thought it would take longer because usually from all the videos I'd watched and all the books I'd read, you know, the baby's head emerges and then there's maybe a couple, like another contraction until the head comes or the rest of the body comes out. Mm-hmm. And so I squatted down. I was standing, like I would squat, like deep squat on a contraction. And during my break, I would stand up and like drink water and then I would squat back down. And so we were in front of our fireplace between the shades of our sofa in the fireplace and, and, and coffee table. And excuse me. So I, I had this contraction that his head came out and I felt his head actually like come out and I'm like, his head's out. And I went to stand up. And as I stood up, his body shot out. And as I stood up, I backed into my husband because there wasn't that much space because he was used to coming up and down, but he knew he could see underneath. I couldn't. And so he stayed down, but I, hit him on my way back up and he <gasps> fell into the fireplace and oh, the my baby, word. yeah the baby shot out so fast that um the pictures are oh my gosh I'm so grateful we got pictures because you wouldn't even be able to see it like see it with the naked eye if you were there like the baby almost fell but it was the baby grabbed onto my husband's arm and wrapped his arms around oh my and, word and so he fell to the ground and as soon as I felt the baby completely out when I stood up I was in shock because I was like whoa that was super fast there was supposed to be another contraction there all right <laughs> I was like what so I I fell to the floor because I was like I mean I was squatting for an hour like intensely so I mean, my muscles was just gone so I laid down like completely collapsed and sat like with my back against the chaise and I was like oh my god the baby's out like oh my god <laughs> what and we had thought it was a girl. And so we didn't even think about like, you know, we wanted to be surprised, but we knew it wasn't going to be surprised because this spirit baby was a girl. Mm-hmm. And so I turned around and I just see this large scrotum and I'm like, Oh my God, Anthony, it's a boy. And he looks down. Now it had been like probably three or four minutes. Like we didn't even pay attention to it. Right. And I just see, I'm like, Oh my God, it's a boy. And so he turns around and like hands me the baby. Cause he was like, all like the baby was like literally like one of those like um, stuffed animal monkeys that you could like wrap around everything. It was like all wrapped around him holding on to oh my word. And so he handed me the baby and I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is the baby. Like this is amazing. And 
I went to pick the baby like up to my chest and the umbilical cord was so short. I couldn't even lift the baby up past my waist. Mm -hmm. Um, So he rested on my belly and he was like screaming so loud. And I was in awe. Like I I feel like the world stopped, you know, Mm -hmm. because once I hit transition for the second time, I had no intense sensations. I had a hundred percent euphoria and bliss. Like it happened so fast after the second transition. Like the second transition was actually the transition that I was meant to have the first time, but due to the cervical lift, like it things right. didn't happen that way. That makes and sense. So yeah, but like, oh my gosh, like I I didn't even like recognize that I'd had this baby. Like I was in such like euphoria. I wasn't even in my own body. Like I just remember like really that first back to earth moment was like seeing his scrotum and being like, oh my God, wait a second. <laughs> back like, to reality. Here's a scrotum. Yeah. yeah. It was like, wow. And so I just laid there and, you know, later on when we got the pictures back a week or so later, um, he came out, he emerged with his eyes open and he was, <sighs> his, he was, he was crying as his head emerged. Like, and my husband, like, that's my husband's favorite and most amazing memory he'll probably ever have, he said, is because he got to watch the baby open his eyes and look at him. Oh, wow. Um, And the pictures are amazing. I mean, Ashley did such a good job, like, capturing it. We actually didn't even, we had to use the pictures to figure out what time he was born because it all happened (laughs) so fast. And the time lapse of, like, the, the photo shutters was so quick or the birth was so quick that like, they're not even, they look like they're just like more than seconds apart. Cause he came out so fast, but mm-hmm. you actually see the cranial blowout where the surfactant fl- blows out of his nose. Uh huh. Um, oh, I love that. Yes. It was like, the pictures are so cool. I mean, I didn't get to see that because I was on the other side, you know, mm-hmm. like I was like facing the other direction, but it all makes sense and how aware and alert he was coming to the world. And oh my gosh, he probably cried for like 45 minutes. Like he was, he was like as red as a cherry tomato. Like he was so ready to be there. And it was so worth all the work that I did. Like seeing how alert and alive and awake and aware that baby was, was so powerful. And it was Mm -hmm. such like an effort of, and feeling of like, I effing did this, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we, after that, um, I was, I was so weak. I was so tired from just being, I mean, I walked, so, you know, active labor started probably like three thirty, four thirty, and he was born at eight fifty two in the morning. So, I mean, it wasn't a long time. It was about five hours, but I was walking or squatting or in some type of physical position that entire time. So I was exhausted and fatigued. Right. It was a very active, active labor. Yeah. It was super active. And so I was holding the baby and Anthony was like, well, what do you want to do now? And I was like, I need to go lay in bed. And I looked at Ashley and she was like, she looked at me and I like looked at her and she had this like look on her face. Like she knew something that I didn't know or I didn't think of yet, but she wasn't going to say anything. And she was like, okay, we'll get you in bed. And so like Anthony picked me up and the baby and put us in, helped us walk and put us in bed. And as soon as I like touched my bottom on the bed, I got this probably the most painful contraction I had because I was mm-hmm. like not in it anymore. And I was right. like, Oh my God, what is wrong? And Ashley goes, I think you have to birth the placenta. 
So I'm like, Anthony, hurry up. And, you know, we had April do our placenta encapsulation. So I said, Anthony, you need to go get like a bowl, like get the biggest Pyrex bowl we have. So he like runs to the kitchen <laughs> and I'm like, he's like, well, what do you do? I'm like, just put it on the toilet, put it in the toilet. Mm-hmm. So like I got up when he carried the baby. Um, so I could like walk to the, our master bathroom and I sat on the toilet and even before I sat down, the placenta just emerged. Mm, um, that's great. And it was, yeah, it was so quick. I mean, I was, I didn't even have to think about it. Literally. I forgot about it. And so then I was like, get me back in bed. I am, you know, this is it. I, there's nothing else to come out of me. I'm now good. I am really done. <laughs> yeah. So they put me in bed and, um, we, we wanted to wait at least two to three, maybe even four hours and do somewhat like a, um, a co- either a cord burning ceremony or some type of like partial lotus birth type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but due to how short his cord was, we just left him attached as long as I could like physically sit up and hold him. Cause I couldn't even like my arms were so weak and it, the cord was so short that I couldn't even lift him to my breast. Yeah. So we even wanted to do like placenta photos with him still attached, but it was just way too difficult with how short the cord was. So we ended up, um, we tied off the cord with, um, string about maybe two hours afterwards. And, um, then maybe not even two hours, I, maybe even an hour. I don't know. It, it all seemed so quick or right. slow at the same time. <laughs> it's a haze. But yeah. Yeah. It was floppy. It was white. And we were like, you know, I'm just ready to be close to my baby. And mm-hmm. so we tied it off and I had, I was with him for an hour and then I needed to clean up and wash off because I was covered. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, gave my husband his time to be skin to skin and connect and bond. And I went and laid in the shower, like a limp fish and hosed myself <laughs> off <laughs> and then returned. And we spent, um, we spent the next 40 days in bed. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I just, I just love it. And I, I love all of the, um, the intuitive nature that you were able to bring to all of it. And it's also kind of cool that you did, you know, you did reach out to someone else who had been through a similar birthing experience when, Mm -hmm. you know, when you needed to. And that's pretty cool to see that kind of tribe aspect of, um, you know, connecting with others that have, that have walked the path before. Yeah. So I also, you know, Emily was not only very instrumental in this, I mean, we grew so close because we hung out every couple of weeks um, when we decided to hire her as our postpartum doula, just to get to know each other. And mm-hmm. so she could support me the best way that she could. And so we connected a lot, um, whether we spent hours together or we were texting back and forth. And, you know, I'm, I love birth in general. So we had so many good birth conversations, but she wasn't the only instrumental part. Um, I was a part, or I am still a part of the Free Birth Society, where she's on a private network now. We've been removed from um, Facebook or social media. It's a very intimate, private, paid membership. And every couple of weeks during my pregnancy, we had a prenatal, a village prenatal call, like a Zoom call, where we all got on and we shared our dream birth. And we watched each other's dream births evolve. So amazingly, six other women in the Free Birth Society birthed their babies within days of each other. One of the other women birthed her baby the same day as, as I did. Oh, and wow. so it was so that in itself, having that, even though it was virtual, because these women are, I mean, international, even women from 
you know, London and Brazil and Canada. I mean, internationally, we would all connect and just have the village and the community that we all wanted to have in person, but we couldn't because we all, you know, we didn't have that in our communities. Mm -hmm. So we would share birth stories. We would talk about, we just release our fears to one another. And then the, the network that we're on, it's kind of like its own little, it's, you know, its own little private Facebook. It's not on Facebook. It's its own like private network, but it's kind of, you know, set up like Facebook where we all have profiles and can post and, I mean, that was amazing. Like we share people who rebirthed previously or multiple times shared their birth stories. And it was a place to ask questions and to work through fears. And gosh, that was, I mean, I'm still a part of it now. And now I'm in the wild mothering phase of that aspect. And so all of us who rebirthed children or, you know, even there's even members in the community that just have had assisted home births or, you know, whatever their birth is, but they are so intuitive with it. And that's the commonality between us is that we all have an interconnectedness during our pregnancy and during our birth, no matter what the outcome or what the plan is. And so Mm -hmm. being surrounded by those women, gosh, like I got to meet them all in the um, end of August or yeah, the end of August, we had a women's retreat out in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. And I got to meet, there was like 35 of us. We, we did the whole, you know, I want to go eat my, I'm going to go meet my internet friends, you know, like right. yes. <laughs> the thing that you should never do. We did it. Oh my God. We all did it. It was like, yeah, it was five days of community and like mothering in a village. Like mm. it should be, I mean, we all cook right. for one another. We all watch each other's babies. We all nurse our babies together. We all, we had such good community and women's circles and gosh, it was it was amazing. And I'm so blessed and so grateful that I found that community because if I didn't have that support, I probably wouldn't have been as instrumental in the manifestation of my birth as I was, because it's for those women that lifted me up and held me when I was weak and empowered me when I even continued to empower me when I was strong. So yeah, that the free birth society and Emily Zaldea and all of those women are just, they're just super birth goddesses. I love them all. That's so neat. Well, I am definitely going to add all of that information to the show notes for, um, for moms who are curious to learn more about that experience. Um, and on that note, as we wrap up, would you mind sharing your, you know, where can people find out more about you if they'd like to connect with you further? Awesome. So yeah, you can find me through my business page. So I practice in Spartanburg. My practice is called Love and Light Family Chiropractic. So you can find us on Facebook, Instagram at Love and Light Family Chiropractic or our website, loveandlightfamilychiropractic.com. And then my email, if you'd love to reach out or ask me more questions, I'm always so open about it because I think it's so important that people know all of their options so they can make the best informed choice. Uh, my email is Dr. Kayla Abide, so D-R-K-A-Y-L-A. A, B as in boy, E, I, B as in dog at loveandlightfamilychiropractic.com. And yeah, just reach out, um, send me an email, say, hey, I also host the women's circle locally because it was so empowering to me that I facilitate for other women locally what I had virtually. So we meet the second and fourth Saturday at two o'clock of every month in my office, which is in downtown Spartanburg. Uh, We have meetings, you know, coming up this Saturday. Um, October 26th. And I know this probably, you know, yeah, that's tomorrow. Um, <laughs> and, you know, mom brain. 
Um, So yeah. And we just do the same thing. And my dream is to pull village prenatals out of it. And as we grow and gain more pregnant women to honor those women and in community, the way they deserve and the way they deserve to be honored and held space for, because you know, they're carrying life and they're birthing new life. Yes. Oh, that's so amazing. Well, I cannot thank you enough, Kayla, for coming on and sharing such an, I mean, just a beautiful story and, and so different from what so many women experience. So I love having that on the podcast for other moms to hear like, oh, you know, I didn't, I didn't even know this was a thing. Just like you Mm -hmm. said, I didn't even know this was a thing until, until I realized it was a thing. So I love to, to be able to share that with others. Um, So once again, thank you so much, Kayla, for coming on the podcast. I truly appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I love the podcast. I think it's amazing that you're uniting women through an avenue as powerful as birth, because that's something that we don't get to do often and having these stories and allowing me to share. Gosh, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. So many takeaways from this episode. It was such a deep, sweet story. And I love hearing Kayla share her heart. She gave me chills with her sweet connection to her husband and baby. The biggest takeaway from this episode for me, Dr. Kayla took her decision to have a wild pregnancy and wild birth seriously. She wasn't just leaving things up to chance. She did much preparation, both mentally, physically, and spiritually. She was involved with a group of other women who had chosen the same style of birth as her, and she continued her education and connection with these women as well. I love women who take full responsibility of their birthing decisions. No matter what those decisions are, be it a hospital, a home, with a room full of people, or all alone, stepping into motherhood in an empowered way will change our world. That's all I have for you this week. I hope you loved this episode. I know I did. I look forward to seeing you back here next week.